podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the bluest room in town. Yeah, they're actually funny and the guests are sound. Through the ups and the downs. Yeah, they'll be there waiting for the next time round. Find out what it means. Everton will break your heart, but they're still your team. It's far from doom and gloom. So tune in now and get involved with the blue. It is the weekly... It is the Blue Room, and it is another, unfortunately, disappointing Everton week. Uh, joining me, though, to go through it all, uh, Paddy Boyland from The Athletic. Paddy is slumped in his chair, typical grouch on, but now the show's started. He's got a smile on his face. Sat up now. Go on, mate. I've sat up now, haven't I? I'm all, all present and correct for the show. Fully attentive to talk about yeah. the few days. Uh, Mark Mosey joins us as well. Mose, how are you? Yeah, Paddy reminded me of um, Joe, that video clip where like Maradona just kind of like messes about in the warm-up and doesn't really seem that bothered. And <laughs> as, soon, as soon as the first whistle goes, he's, he's the best person on the call or on the pitch, as it was. So, uh, yeah, likened to the great man. Um, I, yeah. I thought you were going to say the, um, the image of... Christopher Walken that's doing the rounds. Have you seen that? Christopher Walken in the airport departure lounge. Yeah. I saw, I saw, like, I'm trying to make you Maradona here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I saw someone say that um, the Christopher Walken image is what they look like watching Michael Keane try and play <laughs> on Tuesday. Um, also joining us uh, today, Mick Green as well. I mean, Mick, Paddy's been compared to, to Maradona. I mean, quite a lot to live up to for you as I'm those on the show today. Yeah, that's true. I don't think I'm going to get any Maradona um, comparisons, but actually I think I'm coming into this in quite a buoyant mood. Um, you know, same with Paddy. Um, we both saw an Everton victory last night, so um, yeah, quite happy. Just just a shame it wasn't the first team. We will get, I mean, yeah, Everton beat PSG in a European tie, you know, yeah. let's frame it like that. We will get onto that a bit later on, um, but we will start off with what happened uh, on the South Coast earlier this week. On Tuesday, and just probably we get into the nuts and bolts of the game. Um, I just wanted to ask you all: Is, is Junior Stanislas now overtaken John Stead as the the most inexplicably average player to score so often every time against Everton? I mean, Paddy, he hasn't scored a goal since March 2021, I think yeah. it was Junior Stanislas. And as soon as you saw his name on the team sheet, as it was with Stead, as it was with Paul Shana. Um, you just kind of know that the lad's going to find back the net. It's mad, isn't it? Les Les Ferdinand had that yeah. as well, but he was actually really good. That was what I was about to say. He was actually good, so it kind of made sense. But with this, it's kind of well, it's inexplicable, really, isn't it? And every time you see him, he strikes the fear of God into you. I, 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 the Vitality Stadium does in general for me. It's one of those stadiums that just kind of triggers me, even when I just see it on television. Turf Moor has that effect now off the last season too. I don't ever, ever want to go back to Turf Moor because of because of that game last season. But yes, Stanislas, I mean, you say, has he overtaken Paul Sharner? If he hasn't already, then he will do on Saturday. <laughs> that's, that's the thing, isn't it, Moore? Like, as much as like he's not been in the fort all season, you know, if you're Gary O'Neill, you're getting that lad in the 11 somehow, aren't you, at the weekend? 
I wonder what his profession is when he's not playing for Bournemouth against Everton. Because I'm I'm not fully convinced that in between those two fixtures a season, he's actually a footballer. No, he's I'm, a 53-year-old used car salesman by trade yeah. that plays against Everton every now and then. That's, that's all <laughs> yeah, absolute bagsman when the toffees come to town. <laughs> but I, I have absolutely no evidence that he ever kicks a ball other than into our net. <laughs> Um, speaking of the Vitality Stadium, is is it just the once we've won there? Yes. Where Delafeo and Lukaku were, I remember them. Oh, having yeah, that, that, that was a that was a one of the free frees. But I have oh, I've, I've got a quiz question for you all about Everton of Bournemouth later on. So we'll we'll come on to that and, and all all of it be revealed. But we have got to talk about what happened um, on the pitch. Uh, make eleven changes. Did you kind of see? A performance like that coming, even not necessarily a result as as one sided and as brutal as that when you saw that team. Yeah, I was gonna say like I just just kind of felt sorry for for everyone involved from when Everton signed on on Tuesday. Obviously, you know, I could not imagine having to to travel all the way down to to watch that and then do all it do it all again on Saturday. But from a fan perspective, and even just. I think from a fan perspective, we didn't go and we were kind of still trying to grapple onto the hope that Everton won't be involved in some sort of relegation battle to no matter what extent, really. I think Tuesday was a bit of a reality check in that sense, even though we did make 11 changes. I don't think you'd be surprised, really, if, if you know our first 11 kind of you know popped up with the same results on Saturday or, or obviously even on Tuesday. And and, and then again, from, from the players and from, from the manager side, both of them just kind of looked a bit hopeless and a bit... I don't want to say, obviously, I don't feel sorry for some of the players because they've had their chance. And, and you know, when you think about the likes of Michael Keane and et cetera, and, but no one kind of seemed to know what they were trying to do. And, and that, I think comes from Lampard as well. I think quite a few times the, the camera was obviously panning to him and, you know, I know his bench wasn't particularly the strongest considering some of the, the absentees on, on Tuesday, but it was it was one of them games where it was just a bit like this is, it, it kind of reminded me painfully a lot of the Crystal Palace game in the Cup last season when I think that was, I think they scored four that, that day as well, didn't they? And, I'm sure the team probably wasn't too dissimilar either, but it was just a bit, just a bit sad, really. Yeah, um, do you feel like Paddy Everton sort of preempted the calls for fans to be refunded by paying for <laughs> tickets and transport before the game? Maybe Frank Lampard said, "Listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make eleven changes here. We could get levered, get ahead of this now, and, and, and cut it off. You, d- you don't want to be facing these calls for for fans to be refunded." Well, it, it it is also quite an achievement given the gesture from the club to still make fans feel as though they've been <laughs> changed here, and and they did do that with with nods on, didn't they? With the with the performance against against Bournemouth on Tuesday night, I think there are a couple of things here. That the first for me is that he makes eleven changes, and I think that shows you that the focus quite clearly is still just pulling away from that relegation zone. If there's one aim this season, it's to stabilise to not be in a relegation battle and ultimately to not be relegated. So I think all eggs are in the Premier League basket right now. When you're in mid-table, as Everton have been, and well, well, certainly in, in, in all the recent years, you can kind of look at the cup competitions and target them because you get to March and April and you've not got that much to play for. 
but Everton haven't got that luxury right now. So I, it was clear that he was he wanted to rest people like Tarkovsky, Pickford, Cody, particularly with some of those guys about to be named in World Cup squads. Everton, though, when you scratch below the surface, there's not much beyond the first eleven, and even the first eleven in, in, in places isn't is in dire need of, of reinforcement. Um, the, the same players that were in effect replaced over the summer in the starting eleven, so Ducore, Davis, Holgate, Keane, come back into the side, and you again see why they were replaced. Uh, it was very disjointed. I suppose the other part of this is that a lot of those lads in mitigation haven't kicked the ball in anger for two and a half months. In some cases, that was the first time they played this season. So you would expect it to be a little bit disjointed. Maybe, maybe not as dis- disjointed as it was, I should point out, but you would expect it to be a little bit disjointed. And then I suppose the final part of this for me is that whatever system they play and whichever personnel they play, there are still some what are considered to be underlying issues within the team and the structure and how they look to play to play the game, whether it's three at the back or as it was on Tuesday or or four at the back as it was at the weekend. They, they seem to have issues in the in the midfield in terms of spacing, in terms of ball progression, all these kinds of things. James Garner, as Idrissa Gay was at the weekend, was a little bit swamped in there. I think you, you look at the way... Everton look to play through the number six, but that becomes utterly predictable. And the opposition know that as soon as the centre-half has the ball, they're right on the back of the defensive midfielder and Everton ultimately don't have anywhere to go. The result then becomes long, aimless balls forward. And I suppose that's all well and good when you've got Dominic Calvert-Lewin, a fit and firing Dominic Calvert-Lewin on the side. But when it's Neil Mope at five foot eight, you, you, you've not got a hope in hell. So there are elements here that kind of, cut through every single Everton performance in recent weeks. There are trends that, if even if it's Michael Keane, Mason Holgate, James Tarkovsky and, and Connor Cody at the other end, there are things that characterise Everton. Um, and obviously one of them is, is a lack of kind of coherence in, in the final third. So another disappointing night. I don't think, even with 11 changes, they should be losing 4-1 to Bournemouth anyway, but whether it's Bournemouth's first 11, whether it's Bournemouth's effectively B team as it was on Tuesday. I think they're good enough not to be humiliated like that. Um, but uh, they certainly haven't got luxury of, of, of rotating a full 11 and going away and sweeping sweeping past teams. That, that's just not where Everton are at this moment in time. Yeah, it, it was an absolute mess, wasn't it, Moose? And it, just like sort of moving it on a, a little bit and looking at it from like, sort of different perspective, how, how did you sort of feel as a, as a fan watching that capitulation in the second half and and the results afterwards because people sort of appreciated before the game that we had to make changes you know there are people who are very much in the camp still of we haven't won a trophy for years and years we've still got to take this all very seriously but there's definitely a creeping you know section of our fan base that are thinking it is all about staying up now and and that team selection was justified and you know with that in mind so when you see a result like that and when everything go out the league cup in that manner, I suppose sort of what I'm asking is, are you that arsed? Does it still sting in the way in which I remember I'm being at Goodison Park probably well, God, five, six, seven years ago now when I was getting beat by Norwich and Stephen Naismith scoring and thinking, God, that's a massive opportunity gone. Now when we go to the the competition, and listen, it was humiliating on Tuesday, but actually being out of it certainly doesn't sting 
quite as much anymore, given what we potentially got to come. I I found it really hard to care at any point during or after the game. Um, you know the the epitome of how much. I didn't think that Everton were ever in with a shot of winning this trophy was that when you messaged me the day after rattling off the big names in the Premier League who had fallen out of the tournament, I thought, well, I'm still not in any way convinced that Blackburn or Notts Forest wouldn't have knocked us out because that that absolutely would have happened down the line. Um, I think Paddy kind of alluded to the fact that I don't think Everton are in a healthy enough point to consider challenging for any domestic cup at the moment. Um, you know, I, I totally echo what you've just said, Matt, in terms of this club always wants to do great things and we want to win trophies. And regardless of the stature of that trophy, when that day does ultimately come, we'll all be elated. And, and the Carabao Cup will be an enormous achievement. We we are just quite simply not in a position to push on and, and in any way prioritise that. And Frank Lampard shares that view. Um, and I think the only thing that that annoyed me about Frank phoning in that game, which is quite honestly what happened, I think you you do not make 11 changes to your starting lineup if you care in any way about the results. And, you know, we're never going to hear that audio from the club, and rightly so. But what I was left with on Tuesday when the lineup was announced was this kind of awkward purgatory Everton 11 of players who we've all now learned far too much about. If, if Everton are going to make 11 changes in a League Cup game away at Bournemouth, I want to see some of the younger lads dragged in. I, I, I've i never seen half of them kick a football and I could not tell you whether they're better than Decore or Davis or any of the people that Paddy mentioned earlier on. But there's at least an element of learning there for me to do as an Everton fan about them. You know, the the one thing that Frank Lampard said in the aftermath of that game that really buoyed me, and I think probably the only positive that came out of the whole thing was that he himself admitted that he'd learnt lessons and that will be reflected both in, in personnel and setup going into Saturday and into the future. If that's true, and, and we, you know, I think it was yourself, Matt, who mentioned the, the Minnesota game and the kind of similarities I saw that game as an enormous positive in pre-season because it really allowed Frank Lampard to point a number of fingers at a number of players at the board and say, look, these things have to change in order for that not to happen again. It's it's ridiculous that three months down the line, we're kind of hoping that this will also have the same effect. You know, that those games should be years apart in terms of how you change your whole team for the future. But if that's something that we can use and build on, then fine. But there was there was so many points during the game where, you know, as goals were going in and as, as certain players were making mistakes that you just thought, I, I knew all of this two weeks ago, two years ago. I knew all of these things that I'm thinking and saying were going to be said because we know that, so certain individuals, and we, we don't have to name them. We all know the players in this squad who who aren't capable of coming in and, and doing a, a good enough job to emulate Everton's best eleven. And regardless of whoever that is, we I think we're we're still clambering to see who who includes himself in that in that eleven. But I think to to bring in the players that he did um, and also change the system, I think that. It, you know, people have spoken about Frank Lampard getting it tactically wrong at a number of times this season. And 
you know, there'll be minor things about the setup of the midfield three, for example, which I think, you know, has definitely changed a number of times in recent weeks. But I think on a grander scale, to to go to five at the back, I've constantly said that I in no way think that Everton are good enough at changing their system. And in particular, changing to that system on a one-off basis to suit an individual game. We, We are simply not tactically good enough to do that. And I've seen us gain a little bit of stability with a with a 4-3-3. And I'm clutching here because we've won one game in what feels like three or four months. And I know that's not true. But to, to, get, to at least be able to look at an 11 and imagine what that's going to be two hours before kickoff. And I, I know that the midfield three in particular has been a massive focus. I've, I've just about started to gain some form of identity about what my Everton team is going to look like on a Saturday afternoon. And, and that, obviously, from a personnel point of view, but from a tactical point of view, that just got totally lashed out the window on Tuesday night. I, I, I can't think of a bigger indicator of Frank Lampard's mindset as to how much he didn't care about that game as to lashing just those three lads, as he must call them, in, in the centre. <laughs> and and we, we just we just give them their 90 minutes and let's just crack on with the important stuff. Um, you know, if, if Tuesday was all about learning individual lessons about fringe players, then fine, do that. But for me, that's what training's about. You know, we, we mentioned about these players not having played a game for six to eight weeks. They are professional sportsmen who live in a constant state of readiness to be picked for that side. And Frank Lampard said as much. He said, you know, these are lads who get paid a lot by the club, you know, he. I think he alluded to the fact that some of them have been banging on the door to get involvement in, yeah. in the Premier League team. I, I will not accept the fact that they, they don't play competitive football enough because if they are competitive enough themselves, then they're doing that every single day of the week. Mm. Um, you know, it, it was useful from this point of view. It, it, it made me angry. It made me realise all of the things that I think about certain players and probably the whole club in general were validated on Tuesday night. But I, I just for once want to, to want to see one of those games happen and for us to learn a lot from it and, and to develop and change from it. But, you know, ask me now as we record on Thursday afternoon, will I see an enormous grand change on Saturday or will we see something that was very similar to Tuesday night? I'd probably lean towards the latter, unfortunately. I don't think playing a, a back three necessarily has to be the reason why Everton lose or draw or win games. I don't think it has to be the difference. What I would say about the lineup on Tuesday is that it didn't really seem to be particularly complimentary. I mean, it didn't seem particularly well suited to being in a, what to playing a back three. You've got kind of a central pillar in Yerry Mina, who's meant to be the kind of the big dominant one who wins everything in the air. Mason Holgate on the right can be a little bit more aggressive and push higher and, and, and kind of cover space. But then on the other side, you'd almost expect another version of, of Holgate, like a Ben Godfrey type. And that was Michael Keane, who was just asked to defend kind of large swathes of space. And I don't think that ever works for Michael Keane. That's when he's, he himself said his worst. Those lads, as, as Lampard suggested, have been banging down the door for selection. And I think there is a case for giving some fringe players opportunities in the Carabao Cup, particularly in the circumstances we've mentioned with with Everton this season. I suppose the issue is 
if you do that and you want to kind of create this sense of belonging, then everybody's got to buy into it. And you've got to go out there and show that what you're doing in training, you can replicate in games. We all know there's a difference between what they do with Finch Farming matches where some players will look a million dollars and then the cut and thrust of any kind of game against Premier League opposition. And too many of them just fail to do the absolute basics. You've got, I mean, the, the second goal, the first goal is comical. I, I, that just fluky the way that goes in. But you could make a point about Michael Keane standing off and allowing the shot to go in in the first place and giving up too much space. The second goal is comical Everton, like absolute peak Everton. Like if you if you played that and said, what level of football are those lads at? You'd say probably non-league or Sunday league, wouldn't you? It was very reminiscent of either the fourth or fifth goal Watford scored in that game of Gunnison last year, where it just felt like everyone just fell over. Yeah. That's yeah. in like the hundredth minute of play, not like <laughs> after after half time. Yeah, with with the Benny Benny Hill music playing over it, like you, you've seen you've seen that over YouTube time and time again. And I feel like quite a lot of the other goals followed that pattern as well. So it it just became utterly predictable. The players that were shifted out of the starting lineup last year because they could not do the basics right were back in the team against Bournemouth, and that created a huge issue. The problem is Everton have gone into self-preservation mode here and Lampard has as well, and it's all about picking up points in the league. But if you go into self-preservation mode, but somehow make it worse, as Everton did on Tuesday night, then you add to this kind of growing sense of unease at the moment. They played really poorly against Leicester, tanked um, out of the cup by by Bournemouth on, on Tuesday night, and that makes... Saturday's game an even more of a pressurised scenario because you're on a, a losing streak. The fans are a bit more disgruntled than they would have been, particularly the ones that had to go down and watch that dross against mm-hmm. Bournemouth. Create huge amounts of pressure for the game on Saturday. And if they'd won in midweek, that would have taken a bit of pressure off. So almost in going into self-preservation mode, he's actually made it even harder for the team to compete on. On Saturday, I suppose it was just yeah, it was an almighty mess, as as we know, an almighty mess, and and one of those games you want to forget quickly now and, and get back to the bread and butter of the Premier League. Yeah, I think I think in terms of when you talk about like a self-preservation mode, especially over the last couple of weeks, I think the last three fixtures, you can probably talk about half a decent twenty minutes against Fulham, and and that's about it in terms of trying to cling on to some positives. And when you look at those opponents in terms of Fulham, Leicester and, and Bournemouth, there's two newly promoted teams there and then a team, you know, bear in mind they've still got a lot of quality in that team. They're, I think they're still holy way below us. I don't think I don't know if they are anymore, but you're talking about three teams in and around us or at least two of them who you'd be who you'd expect to, to be fight for their lives at the end of the season. I know Fulham started well, but I, I can't see it particularly lasting at, at the level that it has been recently. And yet the performances have been probably quite desperate, really. You know, the the second half against Bournemouth was was, was terrifying, really. And I know there was a, a, a lot of changes, but at, at the same time, Bournemouth had more or less made. I don't think they changed eleven players, but you're talking about a, a reserve team, really, for a, for the for the side that struggled in the end, that that had to to crawl over the line to get promoted to the Premier League, and that and and then you've got. Our team, which really have, in a lot of cases, you know, international players, players who 
who have a lot of experience at the Premier League. And, and I echo uh, Mark's point before in terms of wanting to see the younger players, players who 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 really have something to, to fight for. Because when, when Lampard mentions players knocking at the door, I, I highly doubt those players include Frank Lampard. I don't think it includes Frank Lampard. Includes well, apparently Michael. he's Boston training all the players. <laughs> right, so, you know. I highly doubt it includes Michael Keane or Asmir Begovic players that we already know where they are in terms of the standing of, of this squad. But yeah, I, I think it's just been... Just screams a bit desperate the last couple of weeks, and um, and all of a sudden Tuesdays, Saturday was was going to be a big game anyway. But but Tuesdays even Saturday's even a bigger game now because th- there's got to be an element of well this is why I put the team out on Tuesday to to get this result, and also this you can see the difference between the performance now compared to Tuesday as well. Now that we've changed all the players, like Mark said, I, I don't know really if we're going to actually see that. That much of a big difference that that I think Frank's probably relying on really. Just very very quickly, Mick. I, I know you want to make a point, Paddy, but you know, Paddy used the word unease there, and I, I I can sense that in your voice and the way what you're talking about it and the size and all that. And and it's worrying for me that we've seen some of those little signs of that sort of creep in over the last few games. You know, by all accounts, the players caught a lot of st- stick on on Tuesday. You know, fair enough. Damari Gray seemed to be remonstrating with a fan or fans after he scored. He was given a bit back. And you know, social media has been a bit of a horrible place this week. Feels like people are starting to you know, dig the trenches in regards to Lampard's not not good enough. Why go down the road of him? Let, let's get rid of us are saying, well, you know, it's a you know, we've been here so many times, haven't we? We've <laughs> been through this with so many managers. And I've just sort of seen a few little green shoots of of what we've seen in the past start to emerge this week. Is that, is that what's making you feel a bit uneasy as well. Yeah, it felt like oh, I made the, the comparison before to the game, uh, to the, the Crystal Palace game in the Cup, and it also felt very similar to the the whole City game in the FA Cup last year as well, especially when um, Damari Gray scored and you kind of thought that even if um, Everton get back into this game and, and win it and get through, in terms of the performance and in terms of you know, I was scrolling on Twitter at the time in terms of the, the reaction of fans and I know really compared to the whole fan base, it's probably a very small sample size. But the 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 semantics of it all and the attitudes towards the players and the club and, and then the attention to, to Saturday, the, the damage had already been done, if you get me. And it is a bit it is a bit hopeless because I feel in terms of what you're alluding to, I feel like I've been trying to talk myself into positives over the last couple of weeks and that this is why we this is why we're doing this and and, and it, all we gotta wait for is 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 attacking players in 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 the January transfer window, but the the, the pressure on on Saturday is enormous to the point where it's, it's, it's the performance and the results the same. I really don't think it's out of the, the realms of possibility that Lampard loses his job going into the the World Cup break. You know, and, and remember the the end of last season, I think there was murmurs that Michelle had even questioned Lampard a couple of months into into Lampard's reign when you consider some of the performances and some of the results then. So if Everton to, to go back to back against Bournemouth and lose heavily, I, I I don't think it's 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 not a distinct possibility. And even if even if Everton win or Everton draw, regardless really of the results on Saturday, I think we are getting to a period where the the first couple of games after the World Cup break, if there isn't a 
an upturn in, in performances, especially, then the, the pressure's already there, really. And it, it, I don't want to, I don't want it, to, it's tough because you don't, you, I want to give Lampard a chance, but at the same time, there's only so much you can, you know, trust the process without seeing positive signs of said process, if you get me. And I know people have latched on to, to, to the defence this year and, 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 and listen, in terms of the personnel that brought in in the summer, the, I think there's positives there. And I think there's positives to a point where as, you know, a, a manager coming in after January this season is, is a lot different to Lampard coming in it, it, compared to 12 months ago. I think the squad's in a completely different shape. But then you can't say that and then say, well, Lampard needs time because what happened last year was was so, you know, horrendous because the squad really I know we've lost Richarlison and let's be honest the, the attacking players leave a lot to be desired but there's, I think we've signed 11 players since um, the start of last January transfer window I know some of them aren't here anymore in terms of Delhi for instance but a lot has changed and, and there's only so much time like I said that you can kind of put your head in the sand really there's, there's just going to be, because of how saturated the table is, there's just going to be a massive difference between a defeat and a win on Saturday. And I think the tone completely changes depending on what the result is. With victory, you're looking at maybe anything from 14th to 11th in the table. Defeat, and it, it is feasible that Everton are either in the relegation zone come that World Cup break or very close to it. And all of a sudden, then you're dumped out of a cup. You've lost three or four on the bounce before the break and the tone has dramatically changed. I mean, we've, we've already seen, as, as, as we've all pointed out now, the fans get disgruntled at the vitality. We heard it at the Leicester City game, which wasn't particularly pleasant, even when Everton were, was well in that game. There, there, there was still kind of an anxiety in the stadium that just kind of permeated through. I think Mick makes an interesting point about trust the process. And obviously a lot of us have spoken about how this season is going to be about incremental gains. I still think if if Everton were to finish 14th or 15th, not be going into the final few weeks of the season in a relegation scrap, then that would be incremental progress from the the very, very low bar of last season. Um, So it's all on whether you see what Lampard is doing and whether you see any kind of progression in the style, whether you can see the squad morphing, whether you can see them adapting to his methods, all that kind of stuff. I think Lampard's got a really big decision to make now and also probably during the international break. And it's how far down the line he wants to take his style of play. And what we saw in the really early part of the season was him effectively continuing with the themes of last year towards the end of last year, shutting up sharp, five at the back, pragmatism, a little bit more direct. But I'd say since the Manchester United defeat from that game on, he's looked to morph things into a different kind of Everton. And you've, you've seen different principles come to the fore. So against United, one of the things that really struck me was how often the midfield were getting caught in transition and how, how often Manchester United were just able to play the ball into space and you'd isolate either Cody or Tarkovsky one-on-one. The same patterns against, against Leicester on, on Saturday. Um, and I think whenever Lampard and Everton open up and look to play the way he ultimately wants to play, they have issues. It was the same last season when they when they got tonked away at, at Tottenham. That was kind of that bizarre high line that he played against Son and Harry Kane and, and all their kind of flair attacking players. 
Everton are looking to move to something more progressive, more aggressive in the way they play things, looking to press higher with two number eights, looking to get in the face of the opposition. But still, the personnel's not quite there to do it. There's a huge onus on Idrissa Gay, both offensively and defensively, in terms of starting attacks as the sole receiver in front of the back four, but also covering huge swathes of ground when Onana and Iwobi go up the pitch. And I thought it was really, really evident that both Madison and Jewsbury Hall were just playing in the space either side of him against Leicester. So that's a structural issue for me. That's a tactical issue. Um, the only time Everton have, have looked progressive and secure this season was the Crystal Palace game. And Palace had their own issues that day. I'm well aware of, of the issues and the fact that Sheikh Ducore wasn't there. That was a huge, huge blow to them. And they almost fell into some of the, 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 the bad habits Everton have been in in recent weeks with the one number six. But what you can say about that day is that Lampard settled on a different formation, not 4-3-3, but much closer to a 4-2-3-1, with Anana providing support to Idrissa Gay. We got a bit a better Idrissa Gay out of it. We got a better Amadou Onana out of it. I think that was his best performance of the season by some distance, Onana, in that deeper role. And I also think we got more Alex out of Alex Awobi because he was able to press high and use his energy and his creativity to help the attack. So the, the question I've got is why have Everton moved away from that? It might not have worked quite as well against other opposition because they weren't playing Crystal Palace minus Czech Ducore. But it was the way to go. You, you need to continue on that path. But again, they've deviated from it. You've got, I think because Onana is a presence and because he opens his legs and he's got that kind of languid style, there are kind of weird comparisons with Fellaini. And he also likes to use him as a bit of extra height when Calvert-Lewin's not there. But Onana is at his least comfortable when he's in the opposition box. There was a chance that came to him against Leicester at the weekend at the back post where his body position's all wrong and he just sticks out an arm and handles it. Now, if that's Alex Awobi or, or any of the other attacking midfielders Everton have had over the last four or five years, they take it down. James Rodriguez takes down his chest 1-0 or 1-1, whatever the score was at the time. But Onana is palpably less comfortable there than he is 30, 40 yards back when he's making a recovery tackle or playing the forward pass. It's almost like there's a misunderstanding of what Amadou Onana is at this moment in time and a misunderstanding of how to get the best out of Idrissa Gay and Alex Awobi. So I think the decision now for Lampard is, does he stick with the progressive style? And if he does, is he prepared to go back to the blueprint against Palace that brought success? Mm-hmm. And I think the answer to those questions are going to tell us everything we need to know now about Lampard's the, the Everton season but also Lampard's tenure over the, the months to come. It's clear they need more in the January window anyway, but that there needs to be a more solid foundation from which to build, and we haven't seen that in recent weeks. Yeah, my my next point, Paddy, is just absolutely nailed on the head there, in that the, this is not a team who is struggling to find the answer tactically, because we did that a fortnight ago, and that that's tactically the most frustrating about this this is the tactical version of playing a Wobie in the 10 at West Ham at home and then not doing it again for the next two and a half years do you see that as like an answer though or a one-off or do we not or do we not know yet oh well you know if someone offered me that blueprint 37 more times in the Premier League I'd have bitten your hand off 
Um, you know, I, I get that it's not going to work every single week, but it saw Idrissake with a bit more support. It saw Rewobi as the kind of lone advanced central midfielder. And it they look like two wingers who I picture. That's what I think Everton wingers do. They work hard. They're intelligent. Gordon and Gray, um, Gordon in particular, considering his poor run of form recently, had his best game in a long time against Crystal Palace. Damari Gray looked like a really intelligent footballer who made good decisions. That's not something we ordinarily say a lot of the time about Damari Gray. He's far more, far more impulsive than that. But it, it looked as though tactically he had his head screwed on. A, a lot of work had gone into preparing that team to beat Crystal Palace. And I think to, to throw that out the window the week after was a little bit mind-boggling for me. Um, you know, Everton have kind of, on the back of a 4-1 defeat, we've kind of sorted a lot of defensive frailties from last season. And I think the biggest, the biggest issue I have with including some of last season's players on Tuesday night is not just because they are technically poorer footballers, because we all know that, but I think as Paddy alluded to at the vitality and that that kind of sense of angst which everyone has whenever we go there with that particular group of players, what what you invite in is all of the the frailties, probably mentally, that we had last season in terms of suddenly becoming a team who, when they go two goals down, they very quickly go four goals down. And that was something that we've spoken about in, in recent shows you know, not not lauding the fact that we only got beat by one goal and look how plucky Everton have found some resolve. But we'd stopped getting battered by everyone. And that's quite important if you don't want to go down. Uh, and, and very quickly, you see that when you bring in certain individuals and a certain mentality, which I think we all appreciate now is pretty unshakable for a lot of these players, you very quickly become one of those spineless football teams again. And, and that's ultimately what Tuesday night was. I don't think there's going to be any quick fix in the current squad that takes them from relegation battlers to mid-table or even European contenders. That's just not going to happen with the paucity of the attacking options. What you can do is you can identify issues within the squad, such as, for example, James Madison and Keenan Dewsby Hall and Harvey Barnes getting far too much space in between the lines. Mm. And again, I'm not saying the 4-2-3-1 rectifies everything, but you look at the amount of work that Idrissa Gay had to do and the amount of work James Garner had to do in a different system in the number six role, and you, you can only assume that they'd be better with a second body in there. I also think it would help their build-up play because you've got two options to play into if you're a defender and it's not quite so predictable for opposition sides, known with pressing triggers and and that kind of thing. So there, there are some things here that you look at and you think that could be improved. That's not, that's not working. You can tell there's too much space in between the lines. And if you persevere with things the way they are, with two number eights really high up the pitch, then you're probably going to struggle. And I think that that's what we've seen at the moment. The balance in the midfield is quite obviously not right and hasn't been right since the Crystal Palace game. Mm. Nothing's going to make it spot on overnight. No change, no one change or tactical tweak but you can make improvements. And I think what we have to acknowledge is that until at least January for this run of games before the break and the run of games just after the break, before the window opens, Everton's squad is a very particular place. They're not going to blow teams away by scoring two, three, four goals. It's a bonus if they score once in a game. 
at this moment in time with the players they've got out there, particularly with, with Calvert-Lewin being injured. So the only way Everton are going to pick up any kind of points, tally, any kind of points total, is by making sure that they go back to the solid defensive structures and foundations, grind out results, become harder to beat, all those kind of things. At the moment, they're just giving away far, far too many chances. I mean, Tielemann scored an absolute worldie to give Leicester the lead, but they could have scored two or three better chances before that one went in. Even if, even if the game had been nil-nil at halftime, Lampard still would have needed to change. <clears throat> so I just, I just, I look at it and I go, there are solutions here. There are some temporary solutions and some kind of sticking plasters for Everton to get through to the January window. And then you need to go back into the market. You need to have a of an injection of quality again, particularly in the final third, because as we all know, that when Everton do create chances, they're also not finishing them. They're not creating enough chances, but they're also not finishing the chances they get, and that, that, that's a potent combination. Yeah, my overriding memory of that Leicester game is just looking to my left and just seeing Harvey Barnes just on his own running forward in front of their away fans with, you know, nobody else in, in my field of vision at all. It was yeah. just, yeah, just, just seemed like that was the entire second half. Um yeah. But yeah, we'll just we'll talk, get predictions of what you think is going to happen on Saturday a little bit later on. But um, very quickly, because uh, I know we are short of time, Paddy and Mick, you were watching Everton uh, under 21s or under 19s? 21s. 21s uh, played in the Premier League International Cup against Paris Saint Germain at Walton Hall Park. Uh, Mick, are these young lads going to turn everything around and make everything all right? <laughs> I don't think so, but I do think it would be. Uh, <laughs> I'm saying for a lovely Potter's a point there. He's like, actually, no, nah, they're all not that good. <laughs> well, not 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 in the short term, anyway. But I, I think I think there's definitely quite a few who I think you could maybe pinpoint as, as ones to, to definitely look out for for the future, or at least hopefully see them get an opportunity out on loan in in January. Um, you know, I think it's well documented that, that Tom Cannon's been scoring at a, a really good rate um, this season. And speaking to Paddy last night, actually, when we were there, and I think when you compare him to to the rest of the the group that, that came on, I thought he looked the most the most ready. If you had to rely on someone to to, to jump up straight away in in, in a situation, and in, in say we were desperate, for instance, and, and I know we, we kind of are, but and I say you'd probably say that that striker is. If we are going to tap into that to that uh, reserves, then then the centre forward role is probably the position you'd probably look at. Um, and I thought he looked the the, the most developed physically and, and and technically probably, and obviously he got the goals which 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 helped, albeit one of them was from the spot. Um, you know, I know there was there was talk in, in the summer of him going out on loan, and I think it's probably the the next step for him now. Um, bear in mind, you, you'd hope we were able to get someone in, in in January in that position anyway. Um, but I thought we, I thought we, we looked really good as a whole as, as a unit. And another thing we we spoke about was 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 just how everything looked at a step above compared to how under twenty ones teams had played previously. You know, I think it's 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 well it's well established that I think over the last couple of years things under David Unsworth kind of just. From a from a from even from just a purely aesthetic point of view, it was not a nice watch. And I know results were were okay. And, and to be fair, I, I don't think it, it helped. No disrespect to to, to Hague Avenue that the, the pitch they were they were playing on at times was was probably something that looked more like a rugby pitch after a full season of rugby games. Um, 
but 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 everything just looked a bit more cohesive, looked a little bit more fluid. You know, they, they were playing out from the back. The 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 midfielders looked very especially Isaac Price in terms of his technical ability. There was a few times that he was gliding past players and I was having a look at some of the PSG players that we saw last night and some of them, especially um their number six, Emery. Emery. Yeah. Um yeah. He, I thought he was really good in the open 15 minutes, and he's someone who's already played for, for PSG. There was a couple of them who'd already got minutes for their for their first team um, this season. So not just at the back end of the season or in club competition, but in the league this season. Um, and I thought, you know, after the first 15 minutes, I thought you could tell like these these PSG players, these look a level above. They look really good. They looked, especially from you know a technical path, they they looked, you know, that they perform at a high level every single day. And everything grew into the game, and they, I was really impressed by them. And I, I couldn't couldn't fault any of them, to be honest. I thought they, they all looked they all looked really good, and it was really it was a nice, confident, promising night. It was the type of night where you come away from was like that's that's I might watch the under twenty one just a bit more. <laughs> you know? Yeah, brilliant stuff. Um, you mean start them all, Frank, on on Saturday? Make number eleven changes. Just 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 play that team that beat PSG on Wednesday. I did say we were going to finish off with. Um, Quiz question. So, uh, Damari Gray became the eighth player to score at Bournemouth since they got promoted back to the Premier League all those years ago uh, in 2015. Um, can you name the other seven players to score a goal at Dean Court slash the Vitality Stadium in that Funes Mori scored there. Funes Mori is one, yeah. He scored in the 3-3 free, free draw. Patricia Gay scored, yeah. Theo Walcott scored, yeah. Lukaku? Yeah, you've got three to get. Lukone? No. Um, Calvert Lewin? Yeah. Scored in a 3 1 defeat from a Charles oh, and Cross. Yeah. yeah. Is it going to be like an old goal or something? <laughs> missed, no, you've missed like an extremely obvious one. Tom Day. Oh, oh, wait. Tom Davis. <laughs> wait. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um, the obvious one. Give you another fifteen, sixteen, wasn't it? Yeah. No, never mind. Giving us another minute. We're here until we get them all. <laughs> it's <laughs> not great listening to people. Maybe the listeners can can reply to us on Twitter with the answers. Or so, so, can so, so far, you've got Calvert Lewin, Lukaku, Funes Mori, Walcott, Idrissa Gay. There are two more. We're not including Tuesday night. Not including Tuesday night, no. Has Barkley not scored? Barkley is one, yes. Yeah, I've said that about three times and you just... Oh, then everyone's talking at the same time, Paddy. Is he meant to be the obvious one? Yeah. Right. So how many, how many more have we got to go? Famously scored the winner in inverted commas in the free free draw. <laughs> and he also scored um, a deflected goal in the FA Cup win down there. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and the other, the other one's obscure. The other one's a bit more obscure. Yeah. Defender. What season? So it would have been Marcus Silva's first season in charge. Zuma? No. Was that not the Walcott one, though? Yeah, it was the Walcott one, yeah. It's the Walcott game. Two all draw. He went 2-0 up. I think he scored the second goal. I'm nowhere. Tosin? No. (sighs) Still playing for us. Played on Tuesday. 
I'm pretty sure it's the game where he fractured his skull, didn't he, but later on it as well. Yeah, yeah. I, really I try to wipe these games out of my mind, Matt. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's all trauma that I could be with. Charleston also got sent off in that one, didn't he? And we went oh, two 0 yeah. up, yeah. up with ten men, and then they had a player sent off, and we somehow let it go about the two. Or just such a, such a house of horrors for us that place. Uh, very quickly from each is what's going to happen on Saturday, Moes? Um, I'll be optimistic and say we're good enough to score, but we can't keep clean sheets, so we'll draw one all. Mick? Um, I was not confident in either game this week, and I don't think they'll win. Um, it's difficult because, like, you kind of expect a big reaction after Tuesday, don't you? You know, no, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if it was us, if we'd beaten, but like, say we'd beaten Bournemouth 4 1 at home on Tuesday. Yeah, they would 100% be beating us on Saturday. Like, that's just that's just how it works. Um, but I can't see who's winning. I definitely can't see who's keeping a clean sheet. Um, I'll, I'll go 1 1. Paddy, full house. Full house of 1 1. And that's just because I don't want to predict another Everton defeat again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 1 1. 1 1. But the, what, what does that mean in terms of we were talking earlier about this binary? We were talking about, like, for example, you can push on and you could end up relative safety of mid-table, a defeat, and you could be in the relegation zone there or thereabouts. What does a draw do? I, I'm still very much in the mindset. Result. Yeah, I'm still very much in the mindset that for this Everton team, any point away from home is a good point. At yeah, this point I'm kind of there with that. That was my response after full. It, it allows us to just kind of blissfully stroll into the next six weeks of our lives just in a state of mild contentment which is pretty much the summary of Evertonian life yeah. Um, so yeah I think, I think most of us will take that point right I, I could definitely see it being a one-all as well like sort of we have like four shots and score like a scabby goal from a set piece and they have about 25 and pick with makes a load of saves and Tarkovsky mm. and Cody make a load of blocks but and then Ju- Junior Stanislas <laughs> pops up at the back post yeah, I, uh, Bournemouth win 2-1 then just looking back at those games, but just looking back at those games, he scored twice in that game. He scored twice in that free-free draw. In he's still still giving us nightmares after all those years. Horrible man. The Vitality <sighs> Stadium's cancelled. Yeah. Knock it on the Glasgow's cancelled. Knock it on the edge, Junior. Bloody hell, <laughs> um, We'll leave it there anyway. <laughs> sure. Good, great show, lads. I really enjoyed that, uh, despite the the negative and, and glib topics uh, at times. But it is open. We can get something on Saturday, and as Mo said, blissfully get into the World Cup. Um, come back against Wolves on Boxing Day with a good chance to move up the table. But cheers to Mick, Paddy, and Mosey. Uh, we'll be back again after the game on Saturday. Uh, Dave Darley at the helm for post match. Uh, I believe Les is doing that with him as well. So look out for that. Um, if you want more from us as ever? It's patreon.com slash the Blue Room Extra. We're going to be building up to that game. We're doing loads of bits and pieces throughout the winter and over the World Cup as well. So, yeah, we'll see you on the other side. Up the toffees. Take care.
Social Podcast Network.